Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of Survive HR. I'm Kelly Shive. I'm joined here by my co-host. Steve Nail. Hi Kelly. Hi. Hey, you know what we need? We need some bumper music. We need to add some like bumper music. Bumper to, yeah, music? That's what it's called. Is it? Yeah. Did you learn that from somewhere or did you make that up? No, I think Because I've never heard the true. name bumper music. Isn't that what it's called? I'm asking the the yes, it's the it's the, the stuff in the beginning. You know, it's like bumps. Oh, we in. need like like intro, like intro, intro. music. Should we exit. rap? We could rap. <laughs> we have to come up with an HR rap and do that as a bumper music. Let's thing. not. That way. <laughs> let's let's totally not. All right, all right, we're done. We're done. We have to. Yeah. Okay. Steve and I actually purposely don't see each other for the entire month between recording, so we can have lots of banter um, when we record our podcast. We're joined here today by two guests. So, um, first guest is my colleague, Sissy Nick. Say hey, Sissy. Hello. She was sitting in the audience, and I was like, well, you know, we're going to have to put her on. Yeah, you know we've got an almost live audience today. An almost live audience? Yeah. They they look alive to me. Yeah, when people listen to this, it'll be almost live. (laughs) get it live. But, you know, I think Sissy, uh, Sissy is here to get exposure for resume, and she works for you, right? She so she's obviously on the, on the side looking for another job. I know that. Right, Sissy? Come Absolutely. on, tell us. There you go. So anybody <laughs> wants a good HR person, Sissy is your is your person. Oh, my word. <laughs> Putting me on the spot there. <laughs> I cannot believe you just <laughs> Oh, my word. All right. Well, Sissy's here and joined, um, joining us to, to help to help share some HR perspective. But we're we're really here joined by Kelly. Not just, not me, Kelly. New Kelly. Yeah, new Kelly. Kelly, what's your last name? Nice Kelly. Prang. Kelly Prang from Gallagher, who's here to talk to us about HR technology. And when we were naming this episode, people asked me what we should name it. And I was like, HR technology. Because really, honestly, when we think about HR technology, not that I'm against technology, really for technology, but it never quite works the way it's sold. Yeah. Right? So when these companies come and tell you about all the great things their technology is going to do for you never quite works that way so so kelly tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little a little bit about hr technology and trends well well, wait a minute isn't that the cool thing about kelly though is that she's kind of like you know how people go on these websites now and they and they and they're they they find each other through the websites these dating sites and things they're kind of like match matchmaker and stuff like that isn't that kind of what you do so like tinder Oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I would not call it Tinder-like, but I would say it has an element of matchmaking, and sometimes we even say it has marriage counseling. Wow. You know, yeah. Like eHarmony. There we yes, go. Yes, we work both sides of the equation. <laughs> See, now that's a twist on HR technology that you'll never hear. There you go. <laughs> All right, Kelly, go ahead. Tell us a little bit more. So I work for Gallagher. I work with a team of HR technology consultants, and we really do four things. We help employers strategize, develop HR technology strategy, determining what they're trying to accomplish with HR technology. We help them purchase HR technology through an RFP process. We help them do the the I word implementation. (laughs) I know that's where there's a lot of pain points. And then last thing we do, it really kind of calls back into that marriage counseling. We call it optimization. You're paying a lot for these software systems, just making sure they're fully maximizing, getting the full value out of those systems. I think from an HR perspective, one of the things that we fail to realize is how much employee bandwidth is needed to implement one of these systems, any of these systems, no matter what they tell you, no matter what the software company tells you, 
these are way more work and almost need a dedicated human or, or dedicated humans. humans to implement something well and maintain it going forward. Would you agree? Absolutely. And we always say that implementing HR technology is not a side job. It's not something you do in addition to the 49 other things that you do within HR. You have to dedicate like a formal project to an implementation. And most of the time, not only is the RFP several months long, the implementation process is several months. Well, it could be several years long. It, it can I mean, be depending on the type of system and the the, the larger, you know, how large your company might be. Well, what, for example, what are you seeing as the most popular uh, HR technologies that companies are, are, are going to, wanting to utilize? So there are multiple different types of technologies, everything from, you know, that really the higher to retire spectrum. There's all-in-one, you know, the human capital management system that does everything. And then you have the point system, the applicant tracking, onboarding, payroll systems, benefit administration, COBRA, you, know, you name it. There's 14 different verticals that we work with. And to say that one is the popular system would be difficult. It depends. Are you in a highly competitive recruiting atmosphere where you really need a great employee experience from sub-day one where applicant tracking and onboarding would be the most important? Or is it that you have a diverse workforce? They're scattered around the country, and they're not benefit-savvy people. You need great decision support software with your benefit administration. So it really depends what you're trying to accomplish from an HR perspective. And what, how do companies actually decide? Uh, because I think some of them you know, really make bad decisions in this regard. But how, how do you know or how would you counsel them to determine what they actually need or should be uh, utilizing? Well, we do encourage them to be very thoughtful and be very meticulous with the process. A lot of times it's which sales rep knocked on their door yesterday or who they got an email from or who's dropping off donuts. I hate to say, but that happens more times than it should not. Where I'll have an employer call me, hey, Kelly, we have 5,000 employees. What do you think about XYZ payroll company? And then after I take a deep breath and tell them, well, their average client size is 15 employees and they cannot handle your complexity, whether they tell you that or not, you know, it's a hard conversation to have. So I think having an outside consultant to look at that. I know my team, we monitor over 800 different vendors in the HR technology space, and that's not all of them. We just say that's the low-hanging fruit, the most dominant 800 vendors so to really understand those and understand which ones work for your particular company, it's not something that most HR professionals have the knowledge of, you know, because they're doing so many different things. So to have, some, yeah, to have somebody sort through that for you from an agnostic perspective that doesn't have skin in the game, so to speak, in terms of commissions can really be valuable. I think that is fascinating because, honestly, I, I had no idea that a person like you existed. It was really whoever knocked on my door and brought me donuts and they, they, they're getting really trendy with the types of things they're bringing you. Right. Because, and, and the portfolios mm -hmm. and they're, they're putting on the webinars, the legal, the legal seminars, and they're doing those types of things. So they engage you, you know, you hear the name enough. You're like, Oh yeah. When I think HRIS, I think this company, that's really fascinating. I've never thought about that from an HR perspective. I think also one of the things that we don't realize when we're thinking about technology is, all of the pieces that go into selecting a software and what it is that you really, really, really need that technology to do. I've done RFP yeah. processes before where it's a 
45 point checklist of it's got to do all these things before we'll even consider you. And then I've done others where it's a really amazing salesperson who sells me on something. Yeah. And I've seen those go sideways on me. Yeah, and what, what are the, um, what are the biggest mistakes organizations make? Well, I think it's not doing a thorough analysis really understanding those technology vendors. And to understand the technology vendor is not to have an understanding of how the platform operates. That is one piece of our nine-piece equation that we use to evaluate technology vendors. So the platform attributes are what I call the bright, shiny ball, you know, the shiny penny that the sales rep comes in and they demonstrate for you. That would be one thing. You have to look at their data security, you know, super important with software in today's age, right? Their infrastructure. Um, can they handle more business or are they selling you more business? You know, can they really take you on in fourth quarter as a new customer? You know, what is their business attributes, their management team look like? I mean, there's a whole list of things that need to go into that. And the bright, shiny ball just being the thing that happens to be on top, that might not be the most important if you're a government contractor and security is super important. Yeah, you know, we, we uh, and I want to, I know I'm going to say something that's probably controversial, Kelly. And You should probably not say it then. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that. No, that, really? No. Like no. we've had this conversation before. Well, I know, but I can't help myself. No, the thing is, I think every, I think HR folks, we always, and Sissy, I'll ask you this. I mean, being in HR, um, you know, a lot of times when we have technology, what we're doing is, separating ourselves from the day-to-day contact with employees and there's got to be a balance because i think you need some interaction with employees you don't want to automate everything so you kind of take all the human aspects out of now that's me i'm old school maybe but that's what i think what do you think i think you can find that from time to time um in our organization we still have a lot of touch points with employees so we um are with them a lot, helping them use the technology. Um, we just did an implementation in January, um, and we sort of went for the shiny ball where we thought it was going to do everything, and we're finding out it's great at payroll, but maybe not some of the other things. So, um, you know, it, I think it can go both ways. What do you do when you get yourself into one of those relationships? I've had similar relationships, you know, similar issues in the past. Um, you get yourself into a relationship with a company who does not deliver what was sold and and this is what happens right they sell you on something and the salesman walks away for sure and i would love to tell you that's an anomaly and we never see that or rarely see that we see it more times than i would like which keeps me in business when you have a really bad fit for a technology provider you're a great candidate for consulting on your second go around and i hate to say but once you're in you're in you know, typically those contracts are two, three, four years, sometimes longer, and it's difficult, if not impossible, to break without a lot of pain and financial consequences. So just making sure that you've got that right strategy up front, that you pick that right provider. And a part of picking that right provider is not looking for the provider that's perfect, because honestly, I don't think there's a perfect provider out there. Is a classic trade-off conversation. You know, what's in their positive column, what's in their negative column, and what do you need to be in the positive column, and what do you, you know, not care about so much that's okay if it's in the negative column, and understanding what you're getting up front. I'm wondering if you're seeing a lot of this. One of the things, and I think, I guess, caution to all of my HR friends out there, one of the things I've seen in my experience is this hand, and I don't know if this is true, but this is my experience, is that companies... That, I, that I've had the experience of working with will, you know, they'll implement you 
and they do such a terrible job of servicing you afterwards and that's on purpose because they want you to buy additional support Hmm. are you seeing that more and more often i just had a conversation with a vendor about that who was promising me up and down inside out how that was not going to be the case but i've flat out seen and i've experienced being on on the phone for three hours trying to get a simple question answered by someone from the company and then when i fuss about it their response is well, you can purchase this shiny package where we promise to answer the phone. So you buy one of two things. You buy software or you buy software and service. Mm-hmm. And they're two different things. And it's about understanding upfront what you're purchasing because sometimes people don't realize they're not purchasing a service package with it. Um, the issue is when you buy software, they're promising you a degree of service that yeah. what I'm finding doesn't really exist. So... You know, I work for Gallagher. We're a health and welfare consultancy. We love to consult around HR topics, and we're very touchy-feely. We think we give the ultimate level of service. I hate to tell you, we just don't find that in technology providers. You know, a lot of them are funded by um, funding companies, and they don't reward service. You know, you've only got so much money to go around. They're either going to put that into product innovation, and if you're not innovative in the software industry, there's an issue, right? So, they tend to suffer on service more often than I would like to see. You know, what what are you what are, I mean I think the statistics are that have you well let me ask you have you ever seen a company that says they're 100% satisfied with the implementation process? Does not exist. Okay. So so, <laughs> so what are so what yeah. are the what are the what are the major I mean why? Why is that happening? Why is no implementation ever seemed to be satisfactory at 100% level? Yeah, well, I think it's about setting proper expectations, what it can do, what it can't do. Um, we just completed a big HR technology survey at Gallagher, and it said that 57% of the respondents in the last two years just implemented software, and 37% of them said it was a good experience. It was a total success. We actually thought that was a high number. We expected it to I be in the 20s. That, to be a high, that's, that sounds like a high number to me. So it's, it's about um, not setting proper internal communications, whether that is HR not communicating to finance or whoever else is a decision maker in that process, not involving all the decision makers, or not having good communication with the service provider, not setting a realistic timeline or dedicating the right amount of resources, you know, time, money, et cetera. So it's making sure that you have those good expectations and that you've defined your requirement on paper and you're following that process. A lot of times it's just signing the contract after that demo and then you run. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the other thing that I think can that we need, really need to talk about is, you know, how do you sell this, I guess, to – because that's one of the issues I think that HR runs into. Kelly's probably never run into it because she's <laughs> good at convincing people of things. But um, how do they sell it or make an argument for uh, – to do this and to make the HR spin? Because I think a lot of times these things fail because um, – For technology? You yeah. mean like how do we how do yeah. we justify do, a technology yeah. package? Right, because I think a lot of times what happens is you haven't got enough money to make it really work well. You don't have enough resources committed to it. So how would you counsel you know folks, uh, organizations, HR organizations, to actually make the sale and get what is needed to have a successful um, implementation? Yeah, so I would say it's very important to get all of those parties that are going to be a part of the process involved, including your C-suite if you need that sign-off. 
typically HR consulting services, like what I do for a client, is 1% of the cost of software. And it's a really big number that software costs, right? So would it make sense to pay 1% more to make sure that we have the right fit and that we're going to be uh, have a good experience and then we're not going to be a part of that 37% statistic? So I, I think it's about showing That's a really valid point, showing value, showing um, a written process, what it should look like compared to what the last two implementations were. I think it goes a long ways. I think honestly, from an HR perspective, we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so I mean, big, I have the biggest problem with HR is sometimes you know we think we know things because we're kind of in the space, but we really don't know yeah. that much about it. Yeah, so I would say that in terms of you know getting buy-in from upper leadership. We've seen a trend within HR technology to be more tactical or compliance-related, things like payroll or ACA or government reporting, to really more strategic and using technology to drive the C-suite's agenda, increase productivity, increase employee engagement, make a better employee experience. So when you start talking about those types of strategic things that you're trying to do with software, it could be a, a much easier sell. Hey, what? let me ask you, uh, if if our listeners want to get in contact with you because you would be glad to provide those consulting services, how would they do that? So I'm happy to supply, um, you know, email kelly.prang at And it's Kelly, Prang, P-R-A-N-G-E. K-E-L-L-Y underscore Prang at ajg.com. All right, great. And we can add that to our um, to our podcast notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the uh, uh, the blog, yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, that'll work. Hey, Miss, you have anything to say? I'm good right now. Thanks. Okay. Sissy is still reeling from implementation. Yeah. Well, well I think we. You, you look like you're in shock, Sissy. Well, I mean, are you? Are you just? I mean, I know we're superstars in the in the field of podcast <laughs> and everything. And, I'm in awe. You know, yeah, it's world world renowned and everything. Yeah. So I don't be too nervous. No, I think, like, but I do think that she faces a lot of the challenges that. You know that 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 rest of not the thirty thirty seven percent, but the rest of the rest of the HR community faces, and um, you know making that better important. Right? Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, Sissy. Thanks, Kelly, for being on our podcast. Thanks, Steve. Yes, and thanks to Gallagher for sponsoring us, as well as Hainsworth Sinclair Boy. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.